It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 18th of September. Darren Williams and Jerry Sloan reconcile. Pack becomes points gained, and Andy Larson joins us for the summer interview series, all on Locked on Jazz. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. Hope you're doing great today. How about it? Next week, we will be talking about media day at this point. Is that incredible? It's right here. It's time. The season is right around the corner. I hope you're well. I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky little numbers, a look behind the curtains. A lot of geeky numbers today, though. Let me tell you, a lot of geeky numbers uh, today. A lot of fun stuff coming up on the program. It's brought to you by Murdoch Chevy, as well as Mazuma USA. Okay, so huge story in utahjazz.com yesterday about the efforts that the Darren Williams uh, has made to reconcile with Jerry Sloan. Uh, sounds like Steve Starks, Greg Miller were both a large portion of this. Uh, Darren has been making his offseason home in Utah. He's still you know, very connected to the community. Basically, I think he's retired at this point. Uh, and... Uh, Darren very much, I think, willingly and wanting to uh, sit down with Coach Sloan and apologized numerous times to Coach for what took place when he was with the Jazz. Um, it sounds as though the meeting that took place at Jerry Sloan's house, uh, that uh, there was not an immediate it's okay, uh, that Sloan gave him the business a little bit, kind of Sloan-esque still in, in Jerry's fashion. Um, that, you know, he apologized a few times and Jerry had a few things for him to say, to say himself about, uh, how their relationship went south, uh, how Jerry ended up retiring or stopping coach on that, uh, February day against the Chicago Bulls, uh, February 9th of 2011. And, you know, Darren now with a little bit more experience and, other coaches and other teams was able to come back to Jerry and say, maybe I didn't appreciate uh, everything that I had that was going on at the time. Um, and so a really a neat story at utahjazz.com. Steve Starks and, and Greg Miller did seem to largely facilitate it. Starks reached out to Darren and kind of asked him to come down to the practice facility and show him around and welcome him back a little bit. I think that was the first step. And then obviously uh, – they arranged with Jerry to go to his house um, and sit down. And um, as Greg Miller said, Jerry's a tough guy. He's got a lot of pride. Coach uh, St- Steve Stark said, I got to see vintage Coach Sloan. Coach was tough. He said things that he felt he needed to say and got things off his chest. And as Darren said, uh, I got a chance to apologize for how things went down. He got the, the voice's opinion about all the times I was a little beep to him and was a pain in his ass. And for him to get things off his chest, I think it was good. There was nothing bad about it. It was only positive. Um, Greg Miller wrapped it up saying it felt 
It left me feeling really good about the situation. Darren had done all he could to put it behind him and make it right. From a franchise standpoint, from our family standpoint, we felt like we had closure. So really interesting um, efforts on, on Darren's part. Darren looks great in the picture. Looks just big smile and, and looks happy and um, you know, in a, in a super effort to. Not, I think, take the easy route, which would have been, oh, let's just let this go by and ban Darren forever and have, you know, Jerry um, and and to try to bring them together. So well done by Aaron Falk. It's at utahjazz.com. Very interesting moment in franchise history, you know, on that day when it happened. And then I think even now. Uh, bring them together. Maybe we'll see Darren around more. He spends an awful lot of time here. Uh, He's one of the only players who's, you know, ever played for the Jazz that's made Utah their offseason home. It's about three or four. And uh, to have him embrace uh, Utah and reconnect with the Jazz, I think, would only uh, certainly be positive. Uh, So, great story. UtahJazz.com. Aaron Falk uh, did the the work. He's going to be a great asset uh, to the Jazz at UtahJazz.com. I think we'll know a lot more about our players, have great insight um, that we haven't had uh, before. Let me share with you, uh, Andy Larson's coming up on the show today uh, for our summer interview series. Let me share with you, um, I've been reading a book called Every Shot Counts in Golf, um, somewhat because it's just a money ball version of golf and has changed all the stats of golf. And so as I was reading it, it dawned on me that what they've done in golf is exactly what I did with Pack. So the concept of every shot counts in golf is what's changed all of the numbers in golf. And the big change is that if you were to two-putt from six feet and you're to two-putt from 60 feet, those are not the same thing, and yet they were counting it as two-putts, somewhat the way we were counting a field goal and a three-point shot the same. And in the same way we were kind of counting, well, he took scored 20 points and he scored 20 points. Well, those aren't always the same, depending on how many shots you've taken and, and what you've done to get there. So if you... If you take a putt from eight feet in golf, that's actually, and you're a pro, that's actually the spot where it's 50-50 if you're going to make it or not. So your expected value of that shot, that putt, is is 1.5 strokes because it's 50-50. You're either going to go two or one. That's what golf pro golfers do. And so if you make the shot, you gain a half a stroke. And if you miss the shot, the putt, then you're taking a two putt, then it's, you know, you're minus 0.5 strokes gained. If you're at 30 feet, that's the moment in which they all two they it's they cross over in a two putt. So if you were to make it, you gain a full stroke, and if you were to three putt, you lose a full stroke, and if you two putt, it's the same. And if you go from 60 feet, then you're gaining in your two putt, you gain you know gain a little bit on the field. That's the essence of pack. If you really think about it, Football Outsiders has been doing a very similar thing with how they judge every play in the NFL world. Um, calling plays a success or failure. If you're third, you know, if you gain four yards on third and three, that's actually probably better than gaining five yards on third and seven on a running play. And so, yet it looks the other way in the scorebook, um, that five is better than three. It's the same way that, you know, in the NBA, shooting 45% from two and shooting 40% from three, 40% from three is way better. It, it's, I think you're with me. So strokes gained is how the golf world now looks at everything. And it's pretty much the exact same way that I look at 
what I've built with Pack, and I'm going to change Pack to points gained. And I think in turn it will make a world of more sense to everyone. So if we think of Pack now as points gained, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant was the best points gained player two years ago at 3.8 points gained per game. So if the average player were to take the same shot amount of shots as Kevin Durant took in a game, the Kevin Durant 3.8 points gained over an average player. Isaiah Thomas was 3.4, James Harden 2.9, Steph Curry 2.9, LeBron 2.8. Last season, Steph Curry was the number one most influential offensive player. He was 4.7 points gained. Kevin Durant was 3.5 points gained. James Harden was 3.1 points gained every game. So each game, James Harden would use 25 scoring opportunities, and he would gain three points on the average player. So would Carl Anthony Towns. LeBron was 2.8. Anthony Davis, 2.5. And to the debate of Rudy Gobert and whether he's an offensive player of any value or not, Rudy Gobert, in 10 scoring opportunities a night, averaged 2.1 points gained on an average player using those 10 possessions. Clint Capella was at two. Interestingly, taking it around the other way and trying to explain why people think less of Russell Westbrook, Russell Westbrook last year was minus 1.6 points gained. He was 1.6 points lost. Rather than a negative pack, which is what he was, John Wall, Dennis Schroeder, Russell Westbrook, Frank Nilakina, all negative 1.6 points gained. So they were, the av- compared to the average player in the league, in the possessions that they used, they lose 1.6 points. This allows for some other kind of interesting things. Let's take shooting, for example. Simply based on shot selection last year, where the teams shot, The Houston Rockets and all their three-point shots were number one in the league at 4.35 points gained per game just because they shot better than the average team because they took 82.2% of their shots as smart shots and then even more where they took their shots. Number two in the league last year was the L.A. Clippers – Probably Doc Rivers didn't get enough credit for that and maybe not going to be able to do the same without DeAndre Jordan at 2.1 points gained. So the Rockets were two times better in points gained just based on shot selection than the second team in the league. An incredible number. So two points, and generally a point, by the way, is thought of as, I think, 2.7 wins. Um, in a season. So this would lead you to believe that the Rockets are winning a tremendous amount of games simply based on shot selection. And when you contrast it to the rest of the league, it's a huge difference. So number one in the league last year, the Rockets at 4.4 points gained. Number two was the Clippers at 2.1. 
The Raptors were third at 1.7 and should only get better. That should take a huge jump. The Lakers were fourth at 1.6 points gained. Fifth was the Cavaliers at 1.4. Sixth was the Brooklyn Nets, who were the best money ball team in the league last year at 1.4. Seventh was Oklahoma City at 1.1. The Jazz were eighth at 0.9. Defensively, the Brooklyn Nets were the smartest defense out there at 2.3 points gained per game just by making people take shots in the right areas. The second best team in the league last year uh, was the Philadelphia 76ers at 1.5. It's interesting. I've talked to Igor about this a lot. That As he tries to build defense in Phoenix, this is the key. Dallas was third at 1.38, which is interesting with DeAndre Jordan, whether they'll get better than that. And Utah was fourth, one, minus 1.33. The Jazz, because of their smart play, were plus 2.2 points gained every night just based on where they took shots offensively and where they took shots defensively. The best in the league was Brooklyn, who was plus 3.7 points every night. Actually, I take that back. Houston was... No, Houston actually was bad defensively. Uh, Plus 3.7 every night was Brooklyn, the number one money ball team in the league. Houston was plus 3.4 points gained. So PAC now becomes points gained. We'll talk more about it all week. There's numerous things we can do with it. On Thursday, I'll have the PAC or the points gained projections for standings, and then Friday we'll do a live show on it um, and take your questions about it. Uh, Andy Larson. So that's just kind of announcement. We're switching pack to points gained. Let me know if that makes more sense to you um, in, in how you look at it. And pack's always been a weird number. We didn't know what it meant, so we're going to change it to points gained um, and get your thoughts. Andy Larson coming up next. Uh, Salt Lake Tribune beat writer on the summer interview series. Today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Chevy. When you think of Chevy, you think of trucks, and you should, because the Silverado and the Colorado are unbelievable. They've got the best lineup of trucks that's out there <clears throat> on the marketplace. When you start to compare and contrast, the, you'll see that the unibody form, the the line, the setup of uh, of what they have to offer, and the the diesel. Um, the twin cabs, they have just a better lineup of uh, consistent lineup of, of opportunities than anyone uh, has out there. Then there's the SUVs, and you know the Suburban, you know the Tahoe. I'm driving the Equinox right now. It's their kind of what I would call midsize SUV, stunningly quick with the turbo, um, great zip to it, all the bells and whistles, super features, really, really cool Uh in, in what it's able, what that's able to do, uh, and really liking it. Tra- Traverse has all the most features of any, and it has the third row of seats. Check it all out. Murdoch Chevy out in Woods Cross as well as in Linden. Find new roads at Chevy in Woods Cross as well as in Linden. And, of course, you get the Murdoch guarantee when you do it with Murdoch's car washes for life, uh, safety inspections for life, price match guarantee, and more. It is Murdoch Chevy. Life is complicated, especially right now. You're spending more time inside, unable to go to restaurants, and that means you're cooking dinner. But if you're like me, I hate cooking. 
multiple trips to the grocery store, hours of monotonous meal prep just so you can scarf down your food in minutes. So when it's dinner time, I grab my phone, open up an app, and order something. But after convenience fees, delivery fees, and who knows whatever other fees, it ends up being close to $100 for two people. But then I met Freshly. Just put up your feet and relax while Freshly chefs and nutritionists do all the hard work. All you do is heat for three minutes and dinner's done. Imagine a better for you golden oven fried chicken, steak peppercorn with sauteed carrots and French green beans, and my personal favorite, buffalo chicken with loaded mashed cauliflower. It's got fewer carbs. That's just a few of the 30-plus health-conscious options to choose from. Freshly understands that food needs to be delicious, healthy, and simple, because let's be honest here, if it's not easy, I'm not going to do it, and if it doesn't taste good, I don't want to eat it. Freshly is offering our listeners $40 off, $40 off for their first two orders at Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. Summer interview series Final stop. You know why? Because at this time next week, I think we have training camp to talk about. Holy smokes. Am I right on that? I think I'm right on that. So there will be, this is the last and final stop of the summer interview series. It's to the newest of the newbies covering the Utah Jazz, at least in a newspaper sense. He's been covering the team for quite a while. Being blogging, then KSLing, and now Salt Lake Tribuning. Derek Favors broke the big story of where Tony Jones is going today on Twitter. And uh, now we have Andy Larson, the Salt Lake Tribune beat writer, joining us. Andy, how are you? Doing well, David. How about you? Good. Why didn't you have any athletes breaking your story about going to the Salt Lake Tribune? I came out out with my news before this was a trend, before Dame and... And Derek started to do all of this. So I, I just lack in creativity with those guys, uh, what they clearly have. Yeah, it's a big, big story. So this has got to be a thrill for you. Should we tell the story about how we first met? And I wonder if I actually even yeah, heard it right. Let's do it. I want to hear it from your point of view. So the version that I have of this story, but I don't think it's right. Do you have an older brother? I've got a younger brother. All right. So I think that your was it your younger brother was dating... A friend of ours' daughter, is that right? Or just friends with a That's That's correct, yes. All right, so it was a young, your younger brother was dating one of our friend's daughters, and they said to us, hey, this guy's older brother is the biggest basketball fan, really analytical, would love to meet you and get any advice from you. That's, is that a fair? I'm so flipping old that this is where I am now. <laughs> This- I don't remember. I, I just remember them being like, "Hey, David is is here, and I know him, and I'm, and you know, do you want to go up and say hi and, and meet him?" And I was like, "Of course, you know, this is this is David Locke. I'd love to to meet him, talk to him." In what I was probably eighteen or nineteen at the time. I think so, um, which makes me old now. Um, so yeah, I think <laughs> I had been given a heads up prior to you coming over. Okay. So there's the there's the mix and match of that story. I think the 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 great Bernstein clan had um, not the Bears, just the Bernstein clan had <laughs> given us the, given me the heads up. And at that time, what were you a senior in high school or freshman in college? One of those. Uh, I, I have no idea which. I one. think you were a senior in high school, so you hadn't started okay. blogging and doing any of those kind of things. Okay. Um, and I didn't run you off. 
No, you didn't. And it was during halftime of a jazz game. So this is normally your time of, I, I know you, you get tea or whatever to, to make your voice right for the second half. Usually you're so frantic in the second half now that I've, you know, watched you for the last few years. Uh, this is, I, I feel honored and a little bit surprised that you made the time to, to talk to me. Uh, I like the Bernstein. So that's, that's it. Um, <laughs> that's what it was. Yeah. The wa- we do not need to discuss watching me call play by play. It's not a healthy. <laughs> this is like you're probably what are you going off Portland Clippers? Where are the where are you so close yeah. to me that I disturb your work environment? Uh, definitely Portland, right? Where you're kind of in that same row and actually right next to us. But I, I like hearing what you have to say. I mean, to, to to be honest, I will steal one or two of your your stat nuggets for the triple team if I if I can overhear them. Uh, I think you probably got them yourself, um, but that's nice. <laughs> uh, give us a quick, I don't want to get too into it, uh, but give us a yep. quick thought on Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune uh, beat reporter, and kind of what your thoughts are on how you approach the season in this new role. Yeah, I mean, uh, my hope is honestly to do a lot of the same stuff that I have been doing because I think the trip team is a unique game story product that doesn't just kind of tell the story of the game, but it also kind of adds in an analysis. And so um, that's kind of what the Tribune hired me for. And so I'm going to continue to do those kind of things. But with working for the paper of record in the market, I think there's, it's important to, uh, you know, bring kind of the number one reporting kind of stuff. So that's talking to players, talking to management, talking to the coaching staff about what's really going on and, and, what they're thinking about the most important issues on the team. And so I want to, you know, kind of develop that part of my game as well. So, um, you know, hopefully there's more of the more good stuff to come. That's I, I really, you know, I, I did this move, if anything, to learn and grow in those directions. And I, I want to go um, and do more and, you know, you know, for myself and become a better reporter. All right, let's get to it. Uh, we've talked a lot about off season on the summer interview series. I'm going to do it a little differently with you. How good are the Utah okay. Jazz? I think they're very good. You know, I, I, I don't think they realistically are championship contending this year, right? But you look at it and say, okay, let's, let's make some relatively reasonable projections on some of the young players that the Jazz have and kind of take into advantage the injury situation, uh, take into account, excuse me, the injury situation of last year. Um, I, I think the, you know, they came out with the Vegas win odds today, or at least a, uh, updated version that had the Jazz as over under 49 and a half wins. And, I think that's kind of pessimistic for how good the Jazz's defense can be. And if they show the kind of uh, synchronicity that they had at the end of last season offensively, then I think they'll, they'll be okay on that end of for, you know, if, if they hit average or even a little bit above average, then you're looking at a really, really good team in the Western Conference. So I'm a na- natural cynic. I don't ever really want to believe yeah. the team is – that's kind of just I think stats guys generally are, frankly. Um I went and tried to prove wrong that the Jazz were going to be as good as some people were saying, um, okay. particularly after Pelt. I knew Pelton was coming out with the real uh, plus-minus as having the Jazz as second in the West. And I actually had the opposite thing happen to me. When I started digging into the first-half numbers and re- took out Rodney Hood and Joe Johnson, what I got was something very similar to the second-half numbers that – existed i mean it was a little stunning that ricky rubio was a plus six 
per 100 possessions if he wasn't on the floor with Rodney Hood or Joe Johnson. It was a little stunning right. that, like, Rudy Gobert and every combination was pretty close to plus 10 if he wasn't on the floor with Rodney Hood or Joe Johnson. It suddenly made you believe that the second-half surge wasn't necessarily a second-half surge, but just the uncovering of what might have actually existed in the first half of the season, but was being brought down by two guys. But I, I can't disagree, and, and like... Uh, it's funny because the, the Jay Crowder real plus minus numbers don't look great, but then you just look at when he was with the Jazz in those five-man units when he's at power forward, that lineup did great. And Pablo Cephalosa's plus minus numbers were very good e- even uh, earlier on in the season in, in terms of, you know, kind of relative to the rest of those lineups that he played with. Like, I, 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 I'm kind of with you that it, it may just be addition by subtraction here and then just kind of realize that. And even if you look at Jonas Jerebko as the only guy with a negative plus minus that was kind of on the team at the end of the year, um, and now he's gone even. So it's like, okay, it seems like the Jazz used last year, and tell me if I'm wrong, but it felt like the Jazz used last year of like, okay, let's try this experiment where we get all of these really, really good plus minus guys. We'll go sign, we'll go trade for Ricky Rubio. We'll sign Tabo Cephalosha. We'll sign Epe Udo. We'll go and, and you know, double down on Joe Ingles and Rudy Gobert and just see if these plus minus guys are overrated or if there's something real to their production. And it seemed like that experiment worked. And so it seemed like the jazz was like, okay, let's, let's add, you know, let's wait again, the worst plus minus guys on the roster, keep who we want and then uh, keep it, you know, keep the successful team from last year, pretty much the same and, and, you know, assume some growth. All right, well, we're going to get – I told Andy before we started that on every other one of these summer interview series that I've actually had them all, like, blocked out and prepared, and that I had a feeling he and I would just go in whatever direction. We're about to do it. We're yeah. about to get geeky. We're about to get absolutely uh, into an analytical discussion of the value of certain stats, and we'll do that when we, when <laughs> okay. we continue. Coming up, more on Locked on Jazz. Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune, beat writer on our summer interview series. If you're a football fan out there and you're playing fantasy football, make sure you check out the Two football shows on Locked On Podcast Network. There's Locked On Fantasy Football. That is now Fantasy Football Experts. Uh, Vinny Iyer talks with the biggest names in fantasy football every week with set guests on every single day. And your daily podcast is Locked On Football 24 Fantasy Football 24-7 with Ethan Turner giving you the great injury analysis and super waiver wire suggestions all week long. Grab those two if you're playing fantasy football. More with Andy Larson coming up. Today's show brought to you by MazumaUSA.com. Are you a small business owner? One to five employees. Are you using Mazuma USA? Because if you're not, you're losing money. If you're using Mazuma USA, one to five, you're not. Mazuma will do all your bookkeeping and all your taxes for you. It's basically you have your own CPA and your own bookkeeper for $75 a month. If you're a small business owner, you know that you don't simply, you simply don't have time to do these things, nor do you really want to. Nobody wants to do that. They want to start their business or they want to run their business. If you're, if you're not, if you're just a, a set, not growing business, real estate agent, things like that, freelancer, you've got some people that work for you. You start with an orientation call. You get a bookkeeper and a CPA that are both assigned to you. It's not changing all the time. They, they hook up to you, immediately sync their, your information and they set your first set of reports, have a tax planning discussion. And then every month you get a report, a tax planning every quarter. At the end of the year, it's all taken 
care for you. No contract, canceled any times, no hidden fees. It's MazumaUSA.com, 801-980-2102. Use the promo code LOCKED. That's 801-980-2102, MazumaUSA.com. If you are a small business owner, you have one to five employees, you should be using MazumaUSA.com. Hi, this is Nate Duncan from Locked On's Hollinger and Duncan podcast. Those of you who listen to our show know that I try to take a measured approach. I'm not prone to hyperbole. It really takes something special to get me excited. But with all that said, Theragun is simply one of the best products that I have ever used. I just turned 40. I've always loved to work out, to play basketball when it's safe. And as I got into my 30s, it just wasn't possible to do that anymore the way I wanted to because my body didn't feel right. And Theragun has helped me fix so many of the aches and pains. I've tried everything, massages, chiropractors, this at-home device, handheld percussive therapy has worked better than any of those for me. And now the all-new Gen 4 Theragun has a proprietary brushless motor. It's so quiet. It's no louder than an electric toothbrush. And best of all, you can try Theragun risk-free for 30 days. There's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen, personalized Theragun app, and the quiet and power you need starts at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on, the name of this network, right now, and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on. Theragun.com slash locked on. So, Andy, you get to the point in that last one about plus minus. Plus minus has been the statistic that all of us have kind of said, ah, I don't really believe in individual plus minus. We've kind of all, oh, individual game plus minus is too noisy. you got to dismiss it. Uh, ESPN launched real plus minus, which was the better version, and we all just kind of then pushed regular plus minus aside. And yet, if there was ever a year last year where plus minus had this incredible revival, Andre Robertson and Oklahoma City, like his plus minus was amazing. The minute he got hurt, they fell apart defensively, just like it said they would. What's your v- feeling on whether or not, kind of to your point, the Jazz played this plus minus game, seemed to work? Is there value in just individual plus minus? I, I think so. And I get, you know, I, I've talked to Quinn about this a little bit, and he kind of laughed at it and was like, you you can't look at an individual game plus minus because it's too noisy. And he's totally right. You can't look at one game and say, oh, you know, Derek Favors had a minus 10 and he shouldn't be out there with Rudy Gobert. You know, that's that's not right. But if you have big enough sample size and if you have, honestly, multi-year sample sizes like the Jazz do with some of these guys, like Ricky Rubio, like Tato Cephalosha, like Epe Udo, these guys have been plus minus, you know, outstanding players their whole careers – Maybe there's something there. And I think the Jazz, you know, we, we talk about the strength of the team as a team, right? Well, we can kind of measure that with these kind of team-oriented players that end up adding more than the sum of their parts. I, I feel like at least. I mean, I get why people are skeptical because it, it does, it is so noisy over the course of, you know, a, a game, even a whole season. But if you look at like entire multiple careers of, of multiple minutes and so many different teammates and adjust for that. I think it's a really valuable metric. Do you buy Jay Crowder? Speaking of Jay Crowder, by the way, uh, yeah. I saw him today. Uh, I think he said down 14 pounds. Looked huh. crazy different. Like, crazy different. And I just asked him briefly about last year, and he was just like, 
just ignore it. It was a mess. I was out of shape. I was out of shape mentally. I was out of shape physically. It was just all bad. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, but he looked so de- – I mean, he walked in. His arms are totally defined. It literally looks like someone sliced a layer of fat off his body. I mean, I can't even describe <laughs> it any other way. So, so, I mean, his plus minus is incredible last year with the Jazz. If you're Quinn, are you looking at that and saying, that's what I got this year and I'm going to Jay Crowder with Rudy Gobert as soon as I can every night? I mean, no, to me, I, I, I would also say Tabo Cephalosha deserves to have his name mentioned in there, and I know he's gone for the he's suspended for the first five games or, and is coming off of a knee injury, but again, you look at the plus-minus of when he played earlier on in the year and, and his plus-minus throughout his career, I think, if anything, that should probably be a battle, but I I, I do think that there's something to those four out lineups succeeding. Um, and whether it's having Jay's kind of toughness and strength on the perimeter and, and everything else that he kind of brings, or if it's Tabo, who I don't know that was actually that good of an individual defender last year, but uh, certainly got a lot of steals at the beginning of the year. Um, I, you know, I, I think there are a lot of different options there for Quinn to try at the very least. And yeah, if, if I'm Quinn, uh, that's one of the biggest stats that I'm I'm paying attention to because I you know it, even though Fave adds a ton uh, of rebounding that you know Jay Crowder and Tabo don't add uh, you obviously want to take that into account. The cool thing about plus minus is it does take that into account. You know you know if if Tabo or Jay is hurting the Jazz on on the glass, that's going to show up in the number of points that the Jazz allow. You know so I I I, I absolutely would consider that you know and and if. Jay starts to play outside of the offense or, or it does start to hurt you, then you can adjust, right? But I, I certainly take into account just how good those four-out lineups were with him at, at the end of the season last year. Rudy Gobert with Tabo Cephalosha and no Joe Johnson, which means Tabo was likely playing the four. The Jazz defensive rating was a 97.4, and they were a plus <laughs> 8.3. This is where things. This is where we start to get into this kind of craziness of what the season might be. The uh, Rudy Gobert and Derek Favors together, no Joe Johnson. And if I start getting even further and start eliminating Rodney Hood, it gets even. Their defensive rating for over 120 games is under 100, and Rudy Gobert and Jay Crowder's defense is like a 94. Is there any chance the Jazz end up with a defensive rating under 100? Yeah, I think so. Right, like. We can come up with five different lineups that look really good that way, right? Like, I, I think that it's honestly like super. It, it's plausible, right? I mean, not only the best defense in the league, but under a hundred. I, I think I wouldn't say it's likely because you never want to say, "Oh, the Jazz are going to have the best." You know, there's just too much that could go wrong. But it's it's possible. I think even in this NBA, anything trending in the way offenses are going to go against the Jazz. I mean, so I would just say that they're probably becoming more efficient, right? But, I mean, you, you've done the numbers, and I don't know. Uh, but defensively, the Jazz are one of the best teams at preventing the three-point shot, and obviously with Rudy Gobert preventing the restricted area. So, I mean, I mean, maybe you could say teams are becoming more clever about how they attack Rudy. I don't know that that's actually true. You know, I, I, I don't think so. Do you they're getting smarter. I don't know that they're getting smarter. I don't think that will hurt the Jazz more than the rest of the league. 
I don't think so. And I think that what's really interesting, I've talked about this with a few different people, is if you actually – so the, the talk of the league by the end of the year last year was all the switching, right, because of the Warriors-Rocket series and all the switching that took right. place. But if you actually look at the season-long numbers, the discussion should be about the value of the dropping big, which is funny because everyone's going the other way in the conversation. But the best defensive teams in the league, the Jazz – the 76ers, the Spurs, the Raptors, the Miami Heat, and the Portland Trailblazers. So six of the top eight defenses in the NBA all played a dropping big. The only teams that didn't were Boston and Houston. And what kind of gets me about that is a lot of those teams don't have elite rim-protecting bigs, right? Like, I guess LaMarcus Aldridge and Pau Gasol are, are tall and pretty good, but certainly pass their prime defensively and don't move that well. Uh, you mentioned Portland, and Nurkic is, again, not the quickest big man and certainly not the most fearsome rim protector, but it really seems like dropping the big and forcing these mid-range shots is, is the way to go mathematically. Portland's got the weird one. I don't know if you know about I'm sure you do, but for those who don't know about Portland, last year in the restricted area, teams shot 55.5% against Portland. Okay, so what, David? Well, let me try to put in. The league average is 63%. The next best is 59%, which is Toronto. But that's four percentage points better than the next best team in the league? And eight yeah, percentage crazy. points better than the league average? Like it's, and only two teams in the league were below 60%, and they were at 55.5, and Nurkic is their center? Like, I wonder what happened. If that one just, is that a sample size issue? But it's 2,200 shots, so I have a hard time believing it's a sample size issue. I, I don't think it's that. I think it's, I, I, I do think Terry Stotts drops his bigs a step further than everybody else, um, which has given the Jazz some problems. Uh, and then, honestly, I think Ed Davis is pretty good, too, and we should probably mention him. Um, and I think he's going to be missed a lot next year in Portland. But he, he actually legitimately is, to me, at least a, a, a very, very good rim protector. And you're right, Nurkic isn't there, and I certainly he certainly is the bulk of those minutes. But I think Ed Davis probably played a role in that. Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune beat writer. Some interesting thoughts on that. We'll get back to the Jazz. We'll look at the rest of the West. We'll do it more as we continue. Day one of the summer interview series with Andy Larson is in the books. We'll continue more of him on Locked On Jazz tomorrow coming up on the Locked On Podcast Network. Hi, guys. This is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.